Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. So, soon-to-be ex-President Obama won't be going away anytime soon. After George W. Bush left office, he essentially went silent. He had no criticism for President Obama. He didn't sound off about Mitt Romney or Donald Trump. He went away. Not so for President Barack Obama. It seems that Obama will follow the Jimmy Carter pathway to annoying land. He'll be commenting whenever possible. After acknowledging that Bush, quote, could not have been more gracious to me when I came in. As an American citizen who cares deeply about our country, if there are issues that have less to do with the specifics of some legislative proposal or battle or go to court questions about our values and ideals, and if I think it's necessary or helpful for me to defend those ideals, I'll examine it when it comes, unquote. This should come as welcome news for Republicans. Obama's policy unpopularity, his tendency to lecture us from on high to Americans in rural areas, it means that he'll suck all the oxygen out of the room when it comes to criticizing Trump and Republicans. Middle Americans voted for Trump, at least partially, in order to sound off against Obama's obvious scorn for them. Here's what Obama just had to say about those who didn't vote for Trump in today's Der Spiegel. This is a direct quote from Obama. Quote, If you look at the new generation of Americans, they reflect the vision I spoke about. They're diverse. They believe in tolerance. They're accepting of things like same-sex marriage. They believe in integration. The problem, though, is that young people are less likely to vote than older people. What results is a situation in which sometimes the elections don't fully reflect the views of the American population. Essentially, the president-elect was supported by about 27% of the American population. One of our challenges historically is that we have very low voting rates, even during presidential elections. This sort of language, it drove Americans to Trump, right? Everybody who is for Trump hates gays and hates black people and is against integration. If Obama continues to critique Trump from the outside with this sort of language, not only will he be doing Trump a favor, he'll be preventing any other Democrat from taking a leading role in opposing Trump. He'll actually become the point of resistance for his own party, and his party won't be able to escape his shadow. Obama's ego has already cost his party, the presidency, the Senate, the the House, a bevy of state legislatures, and governor's mansions. Now it may cost them the future. Excellent. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. All righty. So tons to get to here on a Monday. It's been a very, very busy weekend for a lot of people, including all the folks on Broadway, which we'll get to in just a second. But first, if you are in need of a snack right now, if it's about lunchtime on the East Coast or if it's just brunch time here on the West Coast, then now is the time for you to go to naturebox.com slash Shapiro, naturebox.com slash Shapiro. You get 50% off your first order. So these, these, Nature boxes, they come in, uh, in th- they're these boxes, and they come with all these fantastic snacks in them. I have a full list of the snacks here. You're talking things that are, that are you know, not so great for you, but still organic and better for you than the alternative. Things like mini Belgian waffles and whole wheat vanilla animal cookies to things that are much more healthy, like dried fruit and fruit chews, like pineapple and cranberry medley. They have fruit and nuts bars and clusters and granola. They even have meat like teriyaki beef jerky. Now, I've been told by everybody in the office these things are great, and I can see by the fatness quotient of of the people around the office that they've been cashing in on the Nature Box. I'm seeing a lot of fat people around the office in the last couple of days, and I can only blame that on the folks at Nature Box, but that's only because they're overeating, not because the snacks are unhealthy. The snacks are actually quite healthy, much healthier than the alternative. They're constantly adding delicious 
delicious new snacks. So naturebox.com slash Ben, naturebox.com slash Shapiro, rather. And that's 50% off your first order, naturebox.com slash Shapiro. I've heard from everybody these things are great. Actually, the night of the election, all of my compatriots were downing stuff from Naturebox and really enjoying themselves. So check it out, naturebox.com slash Shapiro for 50% off your first order. Okay. So, lots going on in the world. President-elect Trump continues to make headlines. This one was not his fault. So, over the weekend, the cast at Hamilton, which, as you know, if you've been watching the show for a while, I'm not new to critiquing Hamilton. I think it was episode 108, so it's been like 100 episodes. Uh, 100 episodes ago, I I said that Hamilton was the most overrated musical since Rent. It is. It's Garbaggio. Uh, The plot is good. The music is non-existent or lazy. The lyrics are sloppy, uh, but it's been praised by everybody because our standards for musicals are about the same as our standards for pop music these days, which is to say they don't exist. In any case, Mike Pence decided to go to the new hit on Broadway. The the vice president-elect goes to see Hamilton on Broadway, and first, he gets booed when he walks in, which is just obnoxious, people. I mean, come on. Come on. He hasn't even done anything yet. He's not even the VP yet. Wait till he sucks before you boo him. Goodness gracious. And then the Hamilton cast gets up and lectures Pence, and here's what it looked like. You know, we had a, a, a guest in the audience this evening. And Vice President-elect Pence, I see you walking out, but I hope you will hear us just a few more moments. There's nothing to move here, ladies and gentlemen. There's nothing to move here. We're all here sharing a story of love. We have a little message for you, sir. We hope that you will hear us out. And I encourage everybody to pull out your phones and tweet and post, because this message needs to be spread far and wide, okay? Vice President-elect Pence, we welcome you and we truly thank you for joining us here at Hamilton and American Musical. We really do. We, sir, we are the diverse America who are alarmed and anxious that your new administration will not protect us. Our planet, our children, our parents, or defend us and uphold our inalienable rights, sir. But we truly hope that this show has inspired you to uphold our American values and to work on behalf of all of us. All of us. Again, we truly thank you for sharing this show, this wonderful American story told by a diverse group of men and women of different colors, creeds, and orientations. Okay, and it goes on like this for, for you know several more seconds. And the media love it, right? Because look at all these courageous Broadway actors ripping the vice president-elect. Now, there, there's a lot to say about this. The first thing to say is this is really stupid. Okay, this is really stupid. Imagine if there are a group of people, let's say, let's say that Barack Obama had gone to some old-fashioned show, right? He'd gone to Rodgers and Hammerstein show, and for some reason, one of the members of the cast happened to be a conservative, and they'd lectured Obama. Obama would have gone nuts. The left would have gone nuts. How terrible. How how awful. How could they break that fourth wall? Okay, so the, so here's the thing. Pence is a, a patron of the theater, right? He's there just to be a customer. When you go to the theater, I understand actors have an outsized view of what they are in American life, but they are just people who are there to serve a need, right? You're only there because you want them to act for you, not because you want to be lectured by them. If you go to a restaurant and the waiter starts lecturing you, you're never going to that restaurant again. And a lot of people today are rightly saying, look, if you're going to do this, we're not coming, right? In the same way, Colin Kaepernick kneeling for the national anthem uh, in the middle of the NFL and, and the NFL being good with that, in the same way that drives away patrons, this drives patrons away from Broadway. And it is not an irresponsible or irrational response for people to say, I'm not going to go to Broadway, I'm not going to see shows like this if they're going to lecture people on politics because I don't remember them lecturing Obama. They actually went and they performed at the White House 
And Obama's done a terrible job as president, and here they are lecturing Pence prematurely. So, yes, they, first of all, this is free speech. They're allowed to do it. You're allowed to do lots of stuff. That doesn't mean it's not stupid. This is stupid. And it does end up creating this reactionary effect that is really that is really nasty. So there's a Trump supporter, for example, who got up. There's a, there a showing of Hamilton, I think it was in Chicago, and a Trump supporter got up in the crowd and started shouting in the middle of the performance. Okay, all this stuff is just obnoxious. It's just obnoxious, and it tears the country further apart. If we can't enjoy culture together or critique culture together, then... We don't have any bonds that, that we share anymore. So that's really that's really stupid. Now, Mike Pence responds to this the way that professionals respond to this. He says they have their free speech, and I may agree or I may disagree, but that's their free speech, and I'm glad to see free speech being exercised. That's how somebody presidential does it. And then there's Donald Trump. So Donald Trump, he since he's become president-elect, no one's bothering to take his Twitter away from him, because why would they? He's going to be the most powerful man on planet Earth. And Donald Trump went out and he tweeted this. He tweeted, quote, our wonderful future VP, Mike Pence, was harassed last night at the theater by the cast of Hamilton, cameras blazing. This should not happen. Okay, number one, I, saw, I, I agree with this, basically. Then he says, the theater must always be a safe and special place. The cast of Hamilton was very rude last night to a very good man, Mike Pence. Apologize, exclamation point. And then the cast and producers of Hamilton, which I hear is highly overrated, should immediately apologize to Mike Pence for their terrible behavior. Okay, I may agree with all of this on a personal level. In fact, I do agree with a lot of this on a personal level. I don't think the theater is the place for people to get up and start abusing the patrons. Uh, I mean, honestly, this is the, this is the worst trip to a theater by a politician since Abraham Lincoln. Um, but it's but the fact that you know you have the president elect of the United States sounding off on this stuff, even though I agree with him about Hamilton being highly overrated. We're going to play a little game, and it's a game that's going to become sort of commonplace. It's a game that's going to become commonplace here on the Ben Shapiro Show. I even brought a prop for it. This game is called Put This Shoe on the Other Foot. Okay, this shoe, this one right here. Put it on the other foot. Okay, now let's pretend that it's not Mike Pence this is happening to. It's Barack Obama. And imagine for just a second that Barack Obama went to a NASCAR event or Joe Biden went to a NASCAR event, and members of NASCAR booed him and made a big deal out of it. And then Obama came out and tweeted exactly what you just saw. Let's see those tweets one more time. He tweeted, Our wonderful VP, Joe Biden, was harassed last night at NASCAR, cameras blazing. This should not happen. NASCAR must always be a safe and special place. The cast of NASCAR was very rude to a very good man. Joe Biden apologized. The people at NASCAR, which I hear is highly overrated, should immediately apologize to Joe Biden for their terrible behavior. This is what it's called to be intellectually honest, okay? So I may agree with what Donald Trump says here, but I think it's important to recognize that if a president of the United States or a president-elect of the United States starts sounding off about people exercising free speech, it is not a good look. It's not something that you want. You don't want to make a habit of it. It is not a good thing. It isn't. It is not a good thing when you have all of these these politicians in a position of power talking about exercise of free speech and whether it's right or wrong or good or bad. It just gets you into a place where politicians are, are capable of quashing the feeling of free speech, even if they're not actually quashing the free speech. So I think it's important that we be intellectually honest about all of this. So a lot of things can be true simultaneously on this. One, Hamilton can be wildly overrated. The cast of Hamilton can be jerks. They are. There is a vast cultural divide between New York and, and red state America. It is a vast cultural divide. Trump should have shut up. There's no reason for him to do this. Uh, but there is another point I'm going to get to in just a minute, and that is the media are absolutely out of their mind for covering this the way that they've, the way that they've covered this. So this is what I said on CNN last night, you know, or yesterday. I was on Brian Stelter's show on CNN, and they were talking about Hamilton, and here's what I had to say. Ben, I read something like that, Donald Trump saying this should not happen, and I think that has a chilling effect for artistic expression. 
After all, these performers were up on stage, they were performing art, even when they were speaking to the vice president-elect. Do you agree? Oh, well, uh, I mean, it isn't you... my favorite thing. Sorry, sorry, Ben, go ahead. I'm sorry, it, is, it isn't my favorite thing, and I would recommend that you know, conservatives who look at President Trump doing this, President-elect Trump doing this, and saying, well, it seems okay to me, just imagine if the shoe were on the other foot for a second, and it were Barack Obama lecturing NASCAR fans if he got booed at some sort of NASCAR <laughs> event. You know, it, it, it doesn't seem totally appropriate for the president-elect of the United States to be doing this. On the other hand, you know, I, I would recommend that the media sort of take a second look at how much focus they put on things like this, because the fact is that mm. if you're going to turn it all the way up to 11 on a Hamilton tweet, yeah, this is going to be a long presidency for all of you. Is that what you think happened on Saturday and again today? We've turned it up to 11? Yeah, I think, I think that the, you guys have been, I think the mainstream media has been at 11 since the election. And I think that, hmm. you know, that means that there's no place to turn it from there. I mean, this is sort of the problem uh, in the 2016 election. I think there are a lot of, a lot of aspersions cast in Mitt Romney. Uh, and then when you came back in 2016 and cast the same aspersions at Donald Trump, who's a very different candidate, a lot of people just tuned it out. I, would, I really think that you're, the, the media is in danger of blowing its credibility if they're going to be uh, so exuberant about covering every aspect of Trump's foibles, because there are going to be some things he does that are actually probably not very good, and you're going to want people to pay attention to it. And if you pay the same amount of attention to a Hamilton tweet that you do for, to, for example, something I think is significantly more troubling, you know, President-elect Trump meeting with business partners from India while he's the president-elect, you know, that, that seems to me something where you ought to be putting more focus if you're going to actually you know, point out problems here. And that's exactly right. I mean, not to agree with me myself, but I agree with me. Uh, it, is, it is a brilliant point that I am making there. Uh, and th because the fact is the media did go nuts over this. This made three columns on the front page of the New York Times, this Hamilton garbage. And it's so stupid. And the media don't even know what they're doing. Let them continue to fulminate over this stuff. Let them continue to make a big deal out of this stuff. Most Americans look at this and they say, okay, we have a binary narrative here. We have the president-elect of the United States. The left hates him. And then we've got these actors from Broadway and fine, let them go at each other. Do, are, we, are we really supposed to sit there and get all super-duper concerned about it? I mean, Barack Obama used to rip Fox News and talk radio regularly, and the same people like Brian Stelter, who were very, very upset about this quashing artistic expression, didn't seem very upset about Barack Obama going after talk radio, or for that matter, Barack Obama going after what he called fake news. This has been a big thing in the last week or so. The media have decided that what really won Trump the election was all this spate of fake news, people putting up headlines that aren't true. If that were true, then Republicans would have been winning more elections, not fewer, given the fact that most of the fake news is coming from the mainstream media. Yeah, Kellyanne Conway, I'm not a huge fan of Kellyanne Conway, but she gets it right here. She says, why are you getting so upset about Hamilton tweets? This is, this is silly. Mike Pence says he wasn't offended. He says that Hamilton's overrated, which is, by the way, woo. Well, that's his opinion. I know, your but opinion. wow. I'm going, yeah. I'm taking my Sold out till next August. They will love it. The tickets were so expensive, it's all they got for their birthday. They, Sorry, honeys. They will but, love it. But the fact is, well, they may love it, I, I think. But I'm saying, why take it up? Why take up SNL? No president does that. Why take it up? Why waste the time? Why distract? What, but why do you care? In other words, it, who's to say that he can't do that, make a comment, spend five minutes on a tweet and making a comment and still having the, the right to do it is absolute. Nobody's saying that his buddies as my president, as my president, then focus on what he did this week as your president elect, which was unbelievable. So and I'm going gets, to say unprecedented. So he doesn't take Dozens any responsibility for his own leaders. tweets. It's on me for focusing. I didn't say that. I didn't say he wasn't responsible, but you're you're assigning malice. Or you're assigning wrongdoing to him where it doesn't exist. Okay, and she's not quite right here, but she's right in the attitude, which is, really, we're going to make a big deal out of this? We're really going to make a big deal out of this? In a little while, I'm going to discuss what we really should be making a big deal out of. We're going to play shoe on the other foot again in a little while, because 
you know, Trump's doing some good things as far as his appointments, and then he's doing some pretty bad things as far as what he's doing with his businesses. And I want to talk about that because we don't change our standards just because we like the guy who's in power or because we like the party that's in power. That is the mark of intellectual dishonesty. And I'm very big on intellectual honesty. I think that we ought to have a standard that we hold to regardless. The media are blowing, they blew their credibility long ago, but they're just exacerbating it. They're making it worse by pushing stories at an 11 level of outrage that are really like a four. Okay, even if you're upset by this, this is like a four on a scale of 10. They're, they're, they've got it at a spinal tap 11. You're making everybody deaf. Media, you're making everybody deaf. We can't hear you when you say that there's something really serious going on. If you already used your outrage meter, at, at, on a Hamilton tweet, there's nothing I can do for you. Like, sorry if we don't listen to you anymore. We have to take a quick break and say hello to our friends over at Birch Gold. So, if you're feeling uncertain about the economy, it looks like there's uh, there's more uncertainty on the way. It's not clear what the Federal Reserve policy is going to be. Are they going to raise interest rates? Are they going to continue to have a loose monetary policy? Plus, there's a, a fair bit of uncertainty on the foreign front with Vladimir Putin getting aggressive, as well as the Chinese government getting aggressive and making moves into the economy. You're going to want to talk to my friends over at BirchGold.com. It's, it's, it's the Birch Gold Group. And if you want to visit them, then you go to birchgold.com and you go birchgold.com slash Ben. They have five-star reviews and A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. You can ask them all your questions before you invest. Part of your portfolio should certainly be in precious metals. You can legally move your IRA or 401k into precious metals. They have a 16-page kit talking about investing in precious metals with your savings, birchgold.com slash Ben. They're the people that I trust and would trust with investment in precious metals. It's birchgold.com, the Birch Gold Group. Okay, so the media continue to do this. And then meanwhile, at the same time the media are going crazy over Donald Trump, the entertainment media continue to slap Trump. So they want it both ways. They've got the entertainment media continuing to slap Trump over and over and over. And then you've got the journalistic media saying when Trump fires back, that's the worst thing that ever happened. So here, for example, is the is is Saturday Night Live. They they did a couple of skits that were relatively funny, and then they did a bunch that weren't. Here's one of the ones that wasn't. A guy from SNL, uh, to, he's responding to the fact that Donald Trump didn't like SNL this week. Uh, SNL targeted Trump, and uh, and Trump responded by saying that SNL is not funny. He said, "I watched parts of SNL Saturday Night Live last night. It is a totally one-sided, biased show. Nothing funny at all. Equal time for us." And people were upset because they, uh, Stelter and others, they said, is he talking about equal time like Federal Communications Commission? Like, is he going to require that SNL do equal time? No. No, he's not. Okay? When, when, when Trump says equal time, that's just Trump saying things. There is no deeper level to Trump. Whenever the media tries to dig into the deeper levels of Trump, all they come up with is bedrock. Because, you know, as, as they said about, about William Jennings Bryant's rhetoric, they always said that he was a mile wide and an inch deep. That's basically Donald Trump's rhetoric, too. There's not much there, but it doesn't matter. One of these comedians, Pete Davidson, from, from SNL, he tweeted, Never been more proud. F you, bitch. Which is just wonderful. I'm sure that that's that nothing like alienating the rest of the audience that actually likes Trump. Remember, the man did win 62 million votes by the time all of this is said and done. And that's not all. Last night at the American Music Awards, Gigi Hadid did an impression of Melania Trump. Melania Trump impression. Okay, I got to have the face right. Okay. I love my husband, President Barack Obama, and our children, Sacha and Malia. And people are going nuts over this, too, because why is it that if it's Melania, you get to make fun of her, but if it's Michelle, you don't? My view is that you get to make fun of everybody in public life, so I don't have a huge problem with this, but it is obnoxious that the left does this. That wasn't the only rip on Trump at the AMAs. Green Day 
which is at this point they're a bunch of sixty-year-olds wearing Hot Topic stuff, right? I mean, that's that's basically what Green Day is. I mean, they wrote some crappy musical. Uh, speaking of other crappy musicals, um, but um, I don't know if if this guy looks like he fell into the vat with Jack Nicholson in the original Batman. Um, but they they were singing at the AMAs um, after after visiting the Hot Topic, and uh, and then they they started screaming about Trump. them they're chanting no trump no kkk no fascist usa which is brilliant witticism i'm sure on the part of of the refugees from the goth group at your high school half of whom cut themselves so that's that's all very exciting and then they wonder why so many americans go we don't care if trump lashes out at these people we don't care in the slightest if trump lashes out at these people of course we don't care if trump lashes out at these people when they do stuff like this does it mean that trump should do it no obviously it doesn't but it's hard to make that argument when that when the left is losing its mind over Trump this way. Now, as we continue over at dailywire.com, and you have to subscribe over at Daily Wire to get the rest of the show live today, I want to discuss what the media actually should be focusing on about Donald Trump, because there actually are some things that ought to be focused on about Donald Trump. As we like to say on the show, every day is good Trump, bad Trump, and there are some bad Trump things that the media, if they actually had any brains, would be focusing on, but they're not. And we'll talk about those and why conservatives should be concerned in a couple of ways over at dailywire.com. $8 a month buys you a subscription. Right now, you go there and you spend your, your annuals. You get an annual subscription. You get a free copy of my book, True Allegiance, signed by me. Uh, and uh, we have all sorts of goodies for subscribers, including, by the way, if you subscribe, all the ads on the website go away. Um, you get Clavin's podcast. You get my podcast. You also are able to you see them, right? You can still listen to them on YouTube or, uh, or SoundCloud later or uh, iTunes. Um, but you can see them live, uh, and you can also see the rest of the show totally. Um, plus, you can be part of the mailbag yourself. You only get your, answer, your questions answered in the mailbag, and all your life's dreams come true. Uh, if you go to dailywire.com and subscribe, eight bucks a month, put down the cheeseburger, go to dailywire.com. It'll be okay. You can afford it uh, and become part of the largest conservative podcast in the United States. And I believe that we did get Green Day to play that little tag right there, right? And then, then, then they start screaming, no KKK, no fascist USA. I mean, honestly, it's very difficult uh, to be objective about this when the left is so awful. It really, really is. Okay, but there are other things that we should be concerned about with, with Trump. So now it's time for a little bit of good Trump, bad Trump. So we got some good Trump, bad Trump music. Good Trump, bad Trump, which one will we get today? So, over the weekend, there was some good Trump, there was some bad Trump. So, the good Trump was that Trump appointed Jeff Sessions to the attorney generalship. Uh, Sessions will do a pretty good job. Uh, I, I know Senator Sessions. Uh, I, there are a lot of accusations that he's a racist. Again, they're, they're trying to drag up comments he made 40 years ago and that have been verified by, like, one guy. And they're overlooking the fact that he helped desegregate schools and gave the leader of the KKK the death penalty and all this other stuff that he did when he was attorney general in the state of Alabama. Uh, now he's, he's up for the attorney generalship. He will be very hard on illegal immigration. He'll enforce the law. He will stop, uh, he'll stop cracking down on our police departments. Good pick by Trump. Uh, they're also talking about Mike Pompeo for head of the CIA. He's a congressperson from Kansas. Um, Pompeo is very, very hawkish on foreign policy. He's also hawkish when it comes to surveillance. So for civil libertarians, he's not their favorite pick because he said that he, he's in favor of restoring the metadata program. That's where the government collects bulk metadata. This is like the numbers that you're dialing and the amount of time you're on the phone. And then they use that to sort of screen what terrorists are doing. Not my favorite thing, but Pompeo's not a bad pick either. 
Then there's a third pick, and this is the one I'm most troubled by, and that, of course, is General Mike Flynn for, for National Security Advisor. Now, there's good and there's bad to Flynn. So, Flynn... When it comes to ISIS, he's very militant about ISIS. That's great. Uh, when, it comes to, when it comes to Barack Obama's Middle East policy, he's been very critical, which I think is also good. But Flynn has been soft on the, uh, he's been soft on the Iran deal, is my understanding. Flynn has been uh, very, very pro-Russian. He's, he's close friends with uh, Russia Today, which is the, the Russian network, the Russian-English language network. He actually went to their 10th anniversary party and took pictures with Vladimir Putin. He's also been very warm toward Erdogan, who's the, the fascist leader of Turkey. So Flynn's got some serious questions about him. The fact that Rand Paul is a big Mike Flynn fan uh, says something that isn't particularly good. Here's Rand Paul talking about General Michael Flynn, the new NSA. Mike Flynn, to be National Security Advisor, he has said that the historical lesson we should learn is that it was a strategic failure going into Iraq. I'm comforted by that. I feel hopeful that Mike Flynn will be giving him the advice that a lot of us have come to understand about the Middle East. Okay, so that, that does not make me comfortable because he's, he's Rand Paul is an isolationist on foreign policy largely, and, and he doesn't believe uh, in, in a stronger American presence in the Middle East in any real way or even in, in strengthening our, our serious allies in the Middle East. Uh, so Flynn is not my favorite pick. Uh, and then, you know, other things that are that are worthwhile pointing out, yeah, the, the Steve Bannon, who, as you all know, is not my favorite human being, uh, which is to say he's one of my least favorite human beings. Steve Bannon is White House chief strategist. And I defended Steve Bannon last week from media charges that he was an anti-Semite and a racist. He's not, as far as I know. I've never seen any evidence of anything like that. Uh, what I have seen from Steve Bannon is a willingness to do anything in order to gain power up to and including making common cause with the alt-right. There was an interview with him in The Hollywood Reporter. And, uh, and it sort of spelled out his philosophy of government. If you're a conservative, this should worry you, okay? Because he's supposed to be Trump's brain. He's supposedly the guy who gives an ideological, philosophical grounding to Trumpian policy. Okay, first of all, I don't even think Steve does that. Like, I, I know Steve. Steve's not somebody with a cohesive, coherent worldview. He's a reactionary guy. He's kind of knee-jerk. But here's what he had to say. So, first he said, and this is typical Steve. I've been saying this for, for months. Darkness is good. Dick Cheney, Darth Vader, Satan. That's power. Okay? That's, that's Steve Bannon, uh, the new White House chief strategist. He, he loves to paint himself in these sorts of terms. He's the great genius, evil mastermind behind everything, and he loves being hated. So he doesn't mind when I criticize him. He thinks it's great. Um, except when I get my IRS audit, then it'll suck. But here's what he said about policy. And this is the part where we might be a little bit, uh, we, we should feel a little bit of trepidation about it. Quote, I'm not a white nationalist. I'm a nationalist. I'm an economic nationalist. The globalists gutted the American working class and created a middle class in Asia. The issue is now about Americans looking not to get effed over. If we deliver, we'll get 60% of the white vote and 40% of the black and Hispanic vote and we'll govern for 50 years. That's what the Democrats missed. They were talking to these people with companies with a $9 billion market cap employing nine people. It's not reality. They lost sight of what the world is about. Okay, so, number one, the idea that we created an Asian middle class and destroyed the American middle class is is not true, statistically speaking. The American middle class actually got significantly richer. What happened in the middle class is there is no middle class in the, in the traditional sense because the, this half of the middle class moved on up into the upper middle class and a small portion moved down. But pretty much the idea that, that we gutted our economy in order to help the Asians, really? Really? Show me the booming Asian economies. Okay, China's on the verge of collapse. Where, where exactly are you talking about that we gutted ourselves, the globalists gutted us on behalf of, of jobs elsewhere? Do we really need the Vietnamese t-shirt making back in Ohio? Is that really what's going to do it? 
Do you really need South Korean-made auto parts coming back to coming back to Ohio? I'm sure there are factories that do. But the idea that free trade gutted all this and that the way to fix that is to put up tariffs and that that's going to create a 50-year dominance. If you're using the power of government in order to re-enshrine your own power, that's not a good thing. And then here, here's the part that's really, really messed up. Here's, here's Bannon more talking about economics. And clear doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. Quote, like Andrew Jackson's populism, we're going to build an entirely new political movement. It's everything related to jobs. The conservatives are going to go crazy. This is a direct quote. I'm the guy pushing a trillion-dollar infrastructure plan. With negative interest rates throughout the world, it's the greatest opportunity to rebuild everything. Shipyards, ironworks, get them all jacked up. We're just going to throw it up against the wall and see if it sticks. It will be as exciting as the 1930s, greater than the Reagan Revolution. Conservatives plus populists in an economic nationalist movement. Hey, first of all, for those who remember the 1930s, it wasn't all that exciting. There was a depression that was pretty great. In fact, it was called the Great Depression. Right At the same time, everybody was building up for World War II, where literally tens of millions of people were slaughtered. So, good times there, Steve. Glad that you want it to be as exciting as the 1930s. What he means by that is he wants giant public works projects that he can put a giant T on, just like FDR did. <clears throat> and then he says that he wants an economic nationalist movement. Again, Again, we're going to go back to the shoe, right? The shoe. Put it on the other foot. Barack Obama comes along. He says, I want a trillion-dollar infrastructure plan. Who's in favor of that? Nobody, right? But here's Bannon saying that he wants a trillion-dollar infrastructure plan, borrowing all the money. When he says there's negative interest rates everywhere, he means, I want to borrow lots and lots and lots of money. I'm going to borrow tons of cash. Okay? Uh, No, it's not okay. No, it's not okay. That is not okay. And just because Donald Trump is saying it doesn't make it okay. Okay, other things that are not okay. So, you know, we, we, leading up to this election cycle, there's a lot of talk about Donald Trump is a, is a consummate businessman. He's going to run the White House like a business. Well, there are a couple of different types of business, right? There are businesses where you don't own all the stock in the company. It's not a closely held family corporation. Let's say it's a public corporation like Bain Capital. Uh, and uh, I think Bain is, is publicly owned, um, or at least it's, uh, it's, it's traded on the stock market, I'm pretty sure. Uh, in any case, there are there are there are organizations where the stock is widely held. There's a board that is answerable uh, to, the, to the stockholders, and efficiency is expected. People who don't do their jobs get fired. Then there are family businesses. Now, this is not a rip on family businesses, but think of every family business you know, all of them. Every family business you know has an old uncle working in the back room who's completely incompetent, but he's on the payroll, right? Every family business you know is willing to cut a few corners. They don't fill out all the paperwork. It's okay. I mean, obviously, mom and dad work here, so it can't be all bad, right? We trust each other. None of this is a particularly good model for how to run the White House. And so there have been a lot of accusations that there is some trouble in Trump town with regard to the possibility of corruption. Because remember, again, shoe on the other foot time. Hillary Clinton was basically deemed by conservatives, rightly so. She was deemed not ready for prime time. She was deemed not capable of the presidency because she ran the State Department like a closely held corporation. She had the Clinton Foundation on one hand, and they were doing business and taking donations, and the State Department over here, and they were taking uh, Hillary's advice and, and Bill's advice and giving favors out, right? It was pay for play. And that was how a lot of family businesses work. Well, that's sort of how Trump Inc. has worked, right? I mean, that's, that's how Trump has worked in the past. So well, some of the things that are indicative of family businesses, crossover between government and business, as we say, the Clinton Foundation, the Hillary Clinton State Department, they work together. But Donald Trump has not yet placed his businesses in a blind trust. He said he would, and then he didn't, right? The reason is because if he puts it in a blind trust, then the executors of that trust don't have to keep his children employed. 
They can take that they can take that business and they can give it to somebody actually competent as opposed to Ivanka and Eric and Donald Jr. So Trump has refused to put it into a blind trust. He wants his kids to run it. Meanwhile, here are just three headlines from the last week alone. Well, first, Trump met with Indian business partners building Trump brand apartments. Okay, as president elect, they're a bunch of people in India. They're building Trump brand apartments. He's meeting with them while he's president elect. Okay, he shouldn't be doing business. He's the president elect. Two, Ivanka Trump secretly went to a meeting between Trump and the Prime Minister of Japan. She doesn't have security clearance. Three, the Washington Post reported that Trump Hotel in D.C. invited representatives from local embassies post-election, quote, to encourage them to use it when leaders from their countries visited Washington. Okay, that last one is actually serious corruption. If you have the members of the Trump Hotel team telling ambassadors, hey, come here and visit, and then we might give you some goodies on the other end if you just give it a good five-star Yelp review, that's not good stuff. There's another report right now. It's been denied by the Argentinian government, but it has not been denied by Trump yet, uh, and we will see whether it is true or not. According to a report in La Nación, one of Argentina's most prestigious newspapers, Trump used the occasion of Argentine President Mauricio Macri calling him to push for authorization of a building he's building in Buenos Aires. So in other words, supposedly, this is alleged, okay, this hasn't been confirmed yet, so take it with a grain of salt, the Argentinian president called Trump to congratulate him, and Trump immediately said, by the way, can you authorize a building that I'm building in your country under the Trump Inc. brand? Okay, that's not good stuff. Again, shoe on the other foot. If this were Hillary, you'd be going crazy right now. Okay, using the government for personal profit, this is another thing that a lot of family corporations do. They have public-private partnerships. They use eminent domain. According to FOIA documents, Freedom of Information Act documents, they show that Trump gave three of his kids, Ivanka, Donald Jr., and Eric, all of whom spoke at the RNC, more than 22% of that old post office building project, the the made-over hotel in Washington, D.C., even though they apparently invested no money of their own. So he had a publicly partially funded project, and his kids were were making hay out of it. Right? None of this is particularly good. None of this is particularly good, and it's particularly not good if you actually care about a conservative agenda, right? You don't want Trump to go down in flames. You don't want him to be corrupt. You want him to be clean as the driven snow. So Reince Priebus comes out and he says, don't worry. In the end, we'll cross all the I's and we'll, we'll dot all the I's and cross all the T's. While it's unique, it's certainly compliant with the law. And obviously we will comply with all of those laws. And we will have our White House counsel review all of these things. And we will have every... Uh, every I dotted and every T crossed, and I can assure the American people uh, that there wouldn't be any uh, wrongdoing uh, or any sort of undue influence over any decision making. The truth of the matter is, and I can just tell you this even from the four days that are five days or so that I've been uh, in a different role, Donald Trump makes the decisions. Okay, so he says everything is going to be okay. I hope that he's right. I hope that he's right. As far as ideology, there's no, there's no question that we're going to have to keep an eye on Trump with regard to conservatism if you care about this. A lot of people don't. A lot of people say he won. He gets to do whatever he wants. I think that's a recipe for following anybody down a primrose path to hell. Henry Kissinger, the former Secretary of State under Richard Nixon, he should know. Richard Nixon campaigned as conservative, governed as a Democrat. Here is Henry Kissinger saying Trump has no obligations entering office. What? This president-elect, it's the most unique that I have experienced in one respect. He has absolutely no baggage. He has no obligation to any particular group because he has become a president on the basis of his own strategy.
You can stop it there. And that's right. Kissinger's correct. That comes with benefits. It comes with drawbacks. The benefit is he's not in, he doesn't have to take advice from anybody. The drawback is he doesn't have to take advice from anybody. And that means that he'll cut deals with some bad guys. Here was Donald Trump over the weekend on Chuck Schumer, the new Senate majority leader, Senate minority leader for the Democrats. Quote, I've always had a good relationship with Chuck Schumer. He is far smarter than Harry Reid. And originally his, his tweet said, and more cunning, and has the ability to get things done. Good news. I'm not sure why Donald Trump wants to work with Chuck Schumer. I'm not sure why he's why he's posting that. Schumer, by the way, where, where are they going to find common ground? Well, why don't we let Chuck Schumer, the new Senate minority leader, tell you. Surprisingly, on several different issues, Donald Trump and his campaign echoed the views of Democrats, not Republicans. Massive transportation bill, trade, getting rid of the carried interest loophole, cleaning up the swamp. And on those issues where he agrees with us and the Republican establishment and hard right doesn't, we challenge him. Work with us and keep your promises to blue-collar America. I think blue-collar America voted for Donald Trump more on Democratic issues than on Republican issues, which he professed. And we will work with him on those issues. Rework NAFTA? Okay, so, you know, this idea that, that he's going to start cutting deals with Democrats, I don't think that that's ill-founded. we we got to keep an eye on this, guys. I mean, just, just as conservatives, we have to keep an eye on it. If you want a conservative agenda, you can't have a president who, one, is compromised by his own business failures and integrity, and two, who's going to cut deals with Democrats. Okay, let's just... Let's hold feet to the fire here. Let's make sure that the Trump presidency is everything that he promised it would be. You know, I, I was skeptical that it's going to be that way. I've, I've been saying for, for a week, and I'm going to continue to say, I pray that he proves me wrong about him and about his presidency. But this is trust but verify, okay? We're actually going to need to verify, and we don't just get to schluff it off because it's Donald Trump and we like him better than we liked Obama. Meanwhile, Barack Obama continues to, to, tr- to tread the earth annoying everyone. So... I mean, I don't know what in the world he's thinking, but here's President Obama talking about his own administration. I am extremely proud of the fact that uh, over eight years, we have not had uh, the kinds of scandals that have plagued other administrations. Uh, Stop it right there. He says they, they haven't had the kind of scandals that have plagued other administrations. He says this, by the way, while standing in front of what can only be described as an LSD ridden version of Tetris. I'm not sure what in the world he's standing in front of, but. The president says that he hasn't had scandals. Uh, really? Like none? Where have we been? Fast and Furious, IRS, Benghazi, DOJ, EPA, Health and Human Services. Like, all of them have had scandals. VA. They've all had scandals under you, but this sort of delusional stuff is going to keep getting Democrats in trouble. And then Obama says my favorite thing. I mentioned this at the top of the show. This is my favorite thing. He says he's not going away, which is just great. Everybody on the right is annoyed by this. I am so grateful for this. An American citizen uh, who cares deeply about our country, if there are issues that have less to do with the specifics of some legislative proposal or battle, but go to core questions about our values and our ideals, um, and if I think that uh, it's necessary or helpful for me to uh, defend those ideals, uh, then uh, I'll, I'll examine it when it comes. Okay, so he says that he's going to, to still be involved. N- Republicans could love nothing better than that. Barack Obama's still at the forefront of the Democrats. They've got nobody. This is what's amazing. Harry Reid is gone. Nancy Pelosi's still clutching to, to her power with the withered old hands of the witch from Hansel and Gretel. 
uh, it's it's really going to be horrifying to watch them try to get rid of her, and then eventually, uh, it'll. Be, I have a feeling that it could be like the end of Indiana Jones and the Holy Grail. They chose poorly. It could be that sort of moment for Nancy Pelosi, uh, and then their youngest leader is Barack Obama, who's leaving office after two terms of having annoyed everybody and losing the presidency in every other seat. So this is good news for Republicans. The the good news for Republicans is no matter what Trump does, the Democrats apparently will be worse at it. Okay, time for some things I like and then some things I hate. So things I like. Uh, so somebody last week in the mailbag asked me who are the smartest people in fiction. So I'm not sure if I've have I I'm not sure if I've done this book before on the show. If I haven't, I should have. It's the best. It's the best action novel ever written by a long shot, and anybody who's ever written action novels will tell you. The book is The Day of the Jackal by Frederick Forsyth. It is a fantastic, fantastic book. The movie version with James Fox is not bad. The, the book is just spectacular. I mean, it is, it is, again, the best action novel you will ever read, uh, and The Jackal is the smartest character in fiction. Just fantastic. Okay, so Day of the Jackal. Other things that I like, SNL actually did a funny bit making fun of themselves, making fun of how the left has no clue what's going on in the United States anymore, uh, and it's worth it's worth taking a look at. The unthinkable has finally happened. Our nation, torn, broken. You could move to Canada, but you love your country. What can a person like you do? What if there was a place where the unthinkable didn't happen and life could continue for progressive Americans just as before? Now there is. Welcome to The Bubble. <laughs> Coming in January 2017, The Bubble is a planned community of like-minded free thinkers, and no one else. <laughs> so if you're an open-minded person, come here and close yourself in. In here, it's like the election never happened. While who knows what the hell is happening outside in their America, The Bubble will be a fully functioning city-state. With things everybody loves, like hybrid cars, used bookstores, and small farms with the rawest milk you've ever tasted. <laughs> That's my life. Even though you're in the bubble, you'll still stay fully connected to the world outside. We've streamlined our high-speed internet with only the good sites, like HuffPo, Daily Coast, Netflix documentaries about sushi rice, and the explosive comedy of McSweeney's. <laughs> Clever. <laughs> The bubble has so much to do. Go to a bar and engage with a wide array of diverse viewpoints. 100%. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Totally. Right? The bubble is a diverse community and safe space for everyone. We don't see color here, but we celebrate it. And unlike the rest of America, <laughs> anybody is welcome to join us. One bedroom apartments start at $1.9 million. <laughs> Planning is underway to give you everything you need. Except police or firemen. Because we haven't found any who'd agree to live here. <laughs> it's their America now. We'll be fine. Right here in the bubble. Join us, starting in 2017. The bubble. It's Brooklyn with a bubble on it. <laughs> okay, well done, SNL. See, that, that sort of self-awareness would have come in handy a couple of years ago. If the left were that self-aware, then maybe they wouldn't have driven Republicans and conservatives and everybody else, apparently, uh, into the waiting arms of Donald Trump. Okay, things I hate. So we did the self-aware. Now it's time for some people who are not self-aware. Okay, here's the, the, the folks who are not self-aware. A two-hour conversation Q&A between Stephen Colbert and John Oliver. Talk about the bubble. Reflected on Trump winning the presidency. And according to NJ.com, apparently one audience member asked whether or not Trump is funny. He said, quote, I don't think he's funny. I think he's mean. 
I don't think he's funny. I think he's mean. Okay, let me just note something about Stephen Colbert. Okay, Stephen Colbert made an entire career off of just pretending to be racist, evil Bill O'Reilly. Okay, that was the Colbert Report. And now that he can't play that anymore, he's just a really, really bad late night host who's going to get fired as soon as his contract is up. So Stephen Colbert saying that Donald Trump is mean. By the way, I think Donald Trump is mean. I don't like Donald Trump. I also think Donald Trump is funny. Funny and mean aren't mutually exclusive. If they were, there wouldn't be a working comedian in the United States today because virtually all working comedians are really nasty human beings. They're all really, really mean. But Stephen Colbert spent his entire career ripping on Republicans, saying they were racist, sexist, bigot, homophobes. And now he says Trump is mean? Now he says Trump is mean? He said... All I know is that this whole thing about give him a chance, I'm all for giving a chance, but don't give him an inch because I believe everything he said, and I remember everything he said, and it's horrifying. And Oliver said that it would be tough to go on about living life because, quote, not everyone is going to be okay. Okay, first of all, you're going to be okay. I think you'll be all right. I think Stephen Colbert will be all right because apparently he's able to be the crappiest host in the world and maintain his job. John Oliver continues to pretend to be intelligent because he has a British accent. I think most things are going to be okay. That's the nice thing about the United States is that we're a pretty resilient country. I mean, the, the federal government can mess a lot of things up, but your life probably didn't get markedly worse under President Obama just because the federal government only has so much power over your life, at least for now, uh, and we can only hope that it stays that way. But the, the sort of lack of self-awareness on the part of people like Stephen Colbert saying Trump is mean and not funny, that was pretty much Colbert's entire shtick at Comedy Central. So it's, it's pretty hypocritical at the very least. Okay, other things I dislike. So Megyn Kelly has now come out and she says that, that pro-Trump journalists gave Donald Trump questions in advance during the, during the election cycle. Certain TV hosts were in the tank for Donald Trump, you say, to the point where you say that um, they would uh, arrange with Trump in advance to ask him certain critical questions or do certain hits on him so they would appear to have some credibility. Yeah. So are you suggesting that they were play acting? Yes. Uh-huh. It was acting. And this was in more than one network, you say? Yes. But you can't tell us who? No, because these were off-the-record conversations that I was privy to that I'm not at liberty to reveal. So while I'd love to tell you who it was, uh, I'm, I have this information, and I, I'm not allowed to name the names. But trust me, this did happen, and it's been confirmed to me by more than one television executive. Okay, naturally that meant that Sean Hannity immediately leapt to Twitter to tweet, Who is she talking about? Hmm, mysterious. I have no idea. Let's see, there are really only two hosts that you could possibly be talking about. One is O'Reilly, one is Hannity. Both of them were in the tank for Trump. Uh, both of them were in the tank for Trump for a long time. Sean was on Twitter protesting. I was very clear about my support of Trump over Hillary. Right, but you weren't clear about your support of Trump over the other Republican, uh, over the other Republican candidates in the primaries, which is when it would have mattered. In any case, uh, you know, the fact is that this sort of corruption takes place on both sides of the aisle, and it really, really needs to stop. You know, hosts who are getting questions fed to them by politicians, at the very least, we should know what your biases are up front. That's why, in the general, I actually have less problem with Hannity than I do with some of the other hosts, even though I think that Sean was, was not telling the truth about how conservative Trump is going to be. But if the media continue to have this really hand-in-glove relationship with, with the politicians they cover, it's hard to take them seriously when they start ripping on the politicians. Okay, so that brings us to the end of today's show. Tomorrow, we'll bring you the latest updates on, on you know, the various things Trumpian. Uh, he's meeting with a bunch of folks today. Apparently, he's including Rick Perry, possible Department of Veterans Affairs Secretary. That would be a good pick. Um, and we will bring you the latest. As always, I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. <laughs> We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, 
Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. 